Welcome to No Compromises, a peek into the mind of two old web devs who have seen some things. This is Joel. And this is Aaron. When you're uh, facing crunch time on a project, there's a deadline looming. A lot of times you, you start thinking about how can I make this go faster? And, you know, I wouldn't be maybe the only dev to think dropping some tests would be a, a way to make it go faster. But mm. I know, Aaron, you, you're in full agreement with me. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, I, I'm just saying that to set it up because the, the thing I wanted to talk about is having recently been in that experience and actually still found value in doing testing. Um, mm. So like, it's not an absolute, right? If, if you really are super, super crunched, you might have to punt on some of the testing. But in my case, especially with some of the things I was working on, I actually found, I think it actually made things go faster, um, at least to the extent that I felt more confident it was going to work close to the first time and not have a bunch of weird bugs once I started manually testing it. So let me, let me pause and get your, your uh, insightful reaction to that, that lead in. Well, first of all, I'm not sure if we mentioned this uh, in an f- earlier episode, but uh, when we say skip testing, that could be a couple mm-hmm. different things. The only way that I really kind of skip testing is still writing my test methods. And then, you know, I have like a protected method I call this to do, yeah. which basically just marks the, the, the test as um, incomplete. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, you know, if we get to crunch time and you have to skip some tests, for example, in, in your example, you might still have the test written, but there's just a bunch right. of eyes that are in your output. And the, the reason that's done is because, you know, I believe you're freshest understanding mm-hmm. um, how your code works while you're working in it. And so when you come back, you're, you know, maybe you come back for testing later, you kind of, maybe you're looking at it, but you forget like the intricacies of it. So you don't right. write good tests yeah. or it's, it's really easy to forget to come back to tests when there isn't something yes. nagging on you, which Thank is you. like all these different eyes that are on your, your, your output. Yeah, um, we're not we're not complete animals. You're right. We yeah, we, yeah. we do that. I, I'm glad you clarified that. I'll I'll even throw some comments in there too. Like if it's the success path, and I might be like, well, make sure you try it with this and with that. You know, I'll, I'll even yeah. throw some comments in addition to the to do. Yeah, and so then you know, I'll get back to your main topic. But one of the things okay. that we'll do then is is then you know on future projects too or future tasks, we might like do the task, do the t- the test for that task, and like grab one or two incomplete. Um, tests from, you know, mm-hmm. what we have as incomplete in the stack and do those. So, yeah. you know, as, as Joel and I work together, we kind of have this rule that if like, you know, if you're in a project that has incomplete tasks, you should probably at least try to write one other test while you're there um, to, to knock this out. But to, to answer your question or to kind of focus more on what we're talking about again, I, I think um, it matters the, the kind of way that you do testing on how all this stuff kind of like hits together, whether mm-hmm. you do pure test-driven development where you write all your tests first and you write code to satisfy those, whether you write all your code first, test it in your, like in your, you know, command line or your browser, mm-hmm. like as a human, um, yeah. and then write tests after that, or if you do some sort of mix of that. Yeah. I, I mean, I can kind of share my approach. and I, I think it's colored a little bit by what it is you're actually writing. So just thinking recently, um, project was really focused on building an API. And so um, kind of pointing and clicking around to test things isn't <laughs> as convenient an option in that case. So I found myself leaning much more heavily on a test-driven flow, but I would omit the word pure because it certainly wasn't that. You know, There, there were certain things like we get repetitive where it's like, 
well, this route, you have to be authenticated. You know, you have to have an activated user. You have to be doing stuff within the scope of your user account. Like there's all, all this boilerplate where I wouldn't write that test, watch it fail, and then go add the middleware. Like it, there's just a bunch of stuff I would do up front. Like I knew it was going to be the same on most of these routes. But then when I got to, this is the way my brain works. Um, when I got past sort of that boilerplate stuff, I would work through all the failure cases like invalidation. And I really would not, I, I would write the test first. So I would be like, okay, submit an empty payload. These eight fields should have come back with required. And then I would go add those fields. I'd watch the test fail. Then I would go add those fields and add the word required. And it felt a little stupid for some of the very basic things like that, like string, required, email, you know, things that you know, there's not a lot of nuance to them, but especially mm-hmm. when it gets into required if or regex patterns or things like that, mm-hmm. um, I really, really found that valuable to know that it was working. Yeah. So you're basically saying is you kind of, you, you will set up some sort of core functionality and mm-hmm. then you'll write your your boilerplate like authorization test and then you'll write yep. your failure tests. Mm-hmm. And then once then you code for the failure tests, putting yep. in the proper, and then you might maybe then swap back and forth. So you kind of go back and forth with with how you, you code and your test. Yeah, yeah. And then so once I get all of the, the failure cases done, you know, maybe like handling exceptions, uh, validation errors, things like that. Then I'll do the happy path. And sometimes there's more, even more than one happy path, but that's just the way my brain works. Like that way, when I get to the happy path, I know everything else is working the way I want. And I can kind of move the, the request validation, the authorization logic and move all that to the back of my head and just focus on like, okay, now what is this controller action supposed to do? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I like your approach. Um, I wish I did it exactly like that. <laughs> okay. Um, I tend to write more of the logic and I'll do the authorization tests. Uh, so I'll write to what I think the logic is. I'll write the authorization tests. I'll write the happy paths mm-hmm. and then I'll move on to the validation stuff after that. Okay. Um, and that kind of gives me some flexibility because a lot of the validation stuff, we're reasonably certain it's going to work. Yeah. I mean, it's right. just a text word. So that gives me some, you know, function, some time that I could mark those as to do's. If I really, if I get crunched or something, mm-hmm. um, so I want to make sure at least it successfully works. Um, and any the other thing is I'll try not to go on too much of a rant, but, <laughs> okay. but I, I, my brain works as in thinking through all the different processes kind of at once, like not, not, not a huge big picture, but like I kind of think in a big block of what I'm solving. And I think through all those different things and I keep those in my mind. Um, not everyone does that. And I'll tell you what, it's, it's a lot fewer people do that than they mm-hmm. think they can. It's the same thing as people who think they can multitask. Oh, like everyone yeah. says they can multitask, like less than 3% of people actually can. I would like to say I can. I can't. No. I just know that. Like I've, <laughs> I've learned that mm-hmm. and it's part of it's just admitting it to yourself. So it's the yeah. same thing about programming as most programmers can't keep all this stuff in their head. So the, the way that you're describing it um, makes perfect sense that you would like take little chunks and write tests and alternate back and forth. For, for me, it's like the one thing I'm, I have as a skill, I guess, because I can keep something in my brain and like not lose it, you yeah. know, when talking to someone like, cause I, I work with patterns, but the point of all this is that it kind of depends also on your programming workflow and you really should kind of architect your testing functionality around your weakest spots. Hmm. So if, if you can't keep something in your mind for a long time, if you've ever said like, Oh, I have attention deficit, you know, um, whether (laughs) you're diagnosed with it or not, Mm -hmm. if you've even joked about that, um, then you should be writing your test as you kind of go, or even before, if you can keep things in your mind and like, you look at everyone in the world, maybe like, 
why why is everyone like so distracted by a bird well maybe sure. you know you can kind of like do it in you know bigger blocks or something yeah yeah that, that's a good point i like that idea of kind of structuring your approach based on your strengths and weaknesses um maybe just to come back because we talked we sort of set this up talking about the the time impact and the productivity impact mm-hmm. so where i really found it pay off is again this project where you're you're building an api some other team is building the the front end client for it, right? Mm-hmm. Well, often they you give them the API and they're like, well, what about this? And you realize, oh, yeah, actually you're right. This this needs to change. And so when you get into those more frequent than I'd like changes, <laughs> um, having those tests there was just so I could move so much faster because now I had all that regression stuff in place. So like maybe we were tweaking how the validation worked. I could just go focus on that, but then run all the tests for that route and oh. But changing that validation, now this other thing through an exception that I wasn't expecting. And so that's really where I saw it start to pay back that initial investment um, pretty quickly. I, I think I think you're right with that. And also the more complicated a task gets from start to finish, mm-hmm. the actually more easy it is to set up with a test than it is to execute that. So when, you, when you're talking about testing needs endpoint, right away, I'm like, well, why don't you just open up PAW or um, yeah. you know, any, any other tool like that? Yeah. Right. But, you know, if you have to set up, like, I need three users, two to do this, two to do that, like the yeah. amount of work you'd have to do to set that up, you can just do that with factories and relationships and stuff inside yes. your test. Oh, yes. um, and, and so you, you talk about, like, it's saving you from your from yourself with coding bugs and stuff. I look at the tests as also shaving off time to set up all the scenarios I need. Yeah, that's another great reason. So I'm a bit of a musical person. I learned to play guitar um, when I was a teenager um, and I was always kind of writing music. Um, and my brother is 11 years younger than me. Mm. And I have sisters that are like, you know, younger than that still. Um, and so I think I was about, yeah, I was, I would have been 16. And so I'm playing guitar. I'm writing heavy music. I'm into things like corn and stuff like that. Okay. Yeah. Um, just playing like raw, you know. And so I decided that I wanted to um, record some music and record a song. But I, at that point, I can't sing. Um, so I do the only thing that you possibly can, which is you bring your little five-year-old brother oh. <laughs> down to your bedroom and say, uh, "We're going to record some music because, of course, his little brother and he loves you and he looks up to you. He's like, yeah, I want to record music." So I'm playing this song and I found it the other day um, and I played it for his fiance at the time. <laughs> and um, she was like, oh, my goodness. I'm like, you know, I, I, I should have kept it. I should have played it at their wedding instead. Oh, that'd be perfect. <laughs> but, but so we're playing it. Da, 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 and it's like, hi, my name is Jordan. I'm five years old. Every time they try to hold me back, I break the mold. Yeah. Oh. Wow. That's pretty good for five. Yeah, I mean, I fed him the the, the words. Okay, like, but, but you got this like five year old high pitched little boy mm-hmm. voice, like "Hi, I'm five years old." <laughs> that could be a new genre of music. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the, the baby metal. <laughs> that, that's right. Wait, that's a band. Right? <laughs> yeah. Uh... Aaron, you should go to masteringlaravel.io and learn some things. Don't test me.